Hi, I'm Joel. This is the Creativity Pulse podcast, a podcast where we dive into the cool waters of creativity and cruise around some creative thinking, evolution of ideas, and innovation that currently exists in a variety of industries and businesses, big and small. I chat with my guests about their life and business and their approach to creativity. The guests share some of their methods and techniques with us so we can try and understand how some of the more creative people around us go about being, well, exactly that, more creative. For those of you just joining us, let me explain how things work. There's a weekly episode with a guest lasting between 15 and 20 minutes. There's then a series of three episodes. They're really interesting people, and my idea, initial idea anyway, of two episodes meant the episodes were getting to be a marathon of listening. There is also a takeaway with the third guest episode. This summarizes the whole conversation with some creative ideas linked in. It includes some insights to help you exercise, flex, and build your creative mental muscle. You'll also find some information on the website that helps you do this. Check out the creative ideas generators, for instance. Here we are on the Creativity Pulse. I'm back with Andy Stoat. Just to remind you, Andy is a highly experienced creative agency owner. He's run them, started them, sold them. So let's jump straight back into the conversation with Andy. You're in the creative industry. How do you, do you think there's a way of assessing people's creative abilities? Um, I I mean, I guess the first thing is just just their portfolio and, and just talking to them you know, how they came up with things. We, we would sometimes just ask them to talk about the specific projects. Just, just tell me about that. Tell me, tell me what the client was asking for, you know, what they were doing before this, your piece of creative came along. How was it working with them? What, what did you do? How did, how did you get to this? Just, just general stuff. Um, and you, you can't, you, you don't know really because, you know, the other thing is having a meeting like that for some people can be very intimidating. It, it feels like an interrogation, right? And, and you know, if they're a bit introverted in a way, this is very hard for them. They, they wish they didn't have to do it. They wish they could just get on and do their job. Just give me the job and let me do it. Don't, don't ask me all these questions. But, you know, you to, to work in a group where you have, you know, 20 or 30 people in the same office, you, you have to be able to get along with other people. You, you, you're not, you know, you're not a solo guy writing a book, I'll tell you. You are in a group, in a group environment. You're working with somebody else. You've got a project manager. You've got other people to, to that you're responsible to and so on. So part of that is just that, that you are appropriately socialized, that you can work in that environment. I think the reason that sort of I ask you that is if you're hiring, say, an accountant, you don't expect their skill levels to deteriorate as they sort of go along. I guess you expect them to sort of learn a little bit more. They go on courses and learn whatever it is accountants learn. So it's, it's almost a gradable scale that you can sort of see of knowledge. Whereas anything with a huge amount of creativity in it, there's no guarantee that your past successes are going to yeah. sort of be future successes. Yeah. 
So there must be a worry as a business owner as you expand that, you know, sort of our next client, we're just not going to be able to handle. Did you ever sort of feel like that? No, um, I, I'm just maybe uh, um, optimistic and enthusiastic that whatever the challenges will we'll meet it. Um, it's it's also a matter of you know picking and choosing your clients too. I mean, we didn't we didn't want. There are a lot of clients we didn't want, um, and so we didn't pursue them. But any of the ones that we did pursue, we thought we were fully capable of answering whatever their requirements were. We we never worried whether gee, are we creative enough? Can can we can we meet whatever creative requirements there are? We had loads of ideas. We, we had, you know, we we could, uh, and and you know, we have more people in the room too. And sometimes, you know, the the luxury of having that many people on your team is that you can pick and choose the people that you think would be good on this project, right? And 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 so, um, you know, if it's just you or you and one other person, well, th- those are your resources. That's what you've got. But if you have 20 people there, now you have more resources and you can pull people in. Sometimes we would get five or six people at the beginning and not that it was sort of a battle or anything, but come up with a bunch of rough ideas. You, you pursue this way, you pursue that, you pursue this and, and let's meet in two days. Just rough scratches, rough scribbles. Don't worry about finishing. We just want to see raw ideas expressed somehow. Um, and, and then we would work on that. And then eventually we would have, you know, a team working on it. But it wasn't like there were winners or losers. It's just we just wanted to get as many ideas out as quickly as we could. And, and you know, in, in the end, you're only going to go with one right? The client is only, is going to finally produce one idea. So all the other ones are going to fall by the wayside. Sometimes, you know, you'd wish the client chose a different one, but uh, that's the way it goes. Did you, within your structures and sort of templates, have a particular sort of process for that you sort of took people through in order to say, this is the beginning of the client project. This is what the client is going to have. Or did you sort of freewheel it as you went through? Because that's, you feel is the best way of doing it. Um, well, whoever we briefed internally, they knew what, it, what the project was going to be. Right. So it was all of us pretty obvious there. And, and often, you know, working with clients, there is some precedent, you know, unless unless they've come up with a brand new product or you know brand new idea or something. But you know, we're we're just working based on something. So sometimes some some of the creative elements were already kind of set in place. Like you know, they there's a series of TV commercials or a bunch of brochures, and now you just have to produce another one like that, but different. Um, the way we worked was just to get sort of the idea out as, as minimal, you know, to begin with, just, just tell me what the idea is. Don't worry too much about how it's going to be finished. 
you know, uh, and the style and so on. On the other hand, having just said that, sometimes the style was the thing, right? Um, and so we would look for styles for things. You know, we, we, we knew we wanted to go in a certain direction. And the style was kind of the idea in some cases. Um, back, back to David Bowie. With all of his personas, the style mattered, right? Ziggy Stardust was Ziggy Stardust. It was not, yeah. you know, he wasn't wearing random outfits. He, he had figured out how, what the presentation was going to look like. Now, he still had to have the music, the product itself, but it all had to fit together, right? Um, and so that's the way... That's the way we would work. But we just, we typically wanted just the idea first. Um, and, and, and then, and, and, and they knew that how we worked. And then we would sort of iterate from, from there. Um, and that also gave us the flexibility just to try things. Like you may have five or six rough ideas on the table and somebody comes up with a seventh idea sure let's go right as long as you have time i mean the other the other constraint you have of course is time um you know these things did have deadlines and you know for us it paid to work efficiently like dragging out a project longer than necessary is not efficient um you inevitably just end up wasting more time i guess it's knowing when to say okay the yeah, times up. Yeah. yeah, no more ideas. Whatever we have is what we're doing. We we uh, we worked with project managers, and one of the first things that they did was work backwards on the project. We knew what the due date was. Okay, so that's mm. that's when everything has to be one hundred percent finished. And so let's work backwards. And so we've got this many days to come up with rough concepts. And then at a certain point, you know, you're you're also presenting things to the client, and then. They're going to review it internally. They're going to get back to you. Well, you you pretty much have to tell the client how much time they have too, and they have to agree to it. And so, at the very beginning, we would often go through schedules with the client to make sure we're all on the same page. That we knew, and they knew that here are the dates that we have to hit along the way. So, you know, we didn't want to work twenty four hours a day and weekends because of the client's lack of ability to stay on a on a timeline and the client wanted to be sure that at the deadline we would be there <laughs> you know and and again it's it's the same old give and take you know we had to learn and the client had to sometimes adjust a little bit that we work the same way i i looked at it as we and the client have to be two sides of the same coin you 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 you're you're a team they're the client part of the team we were the agency part of the team but we're we're definitely a team we're we're not two different coins here excellent expression okay moving on we live in this world of sort of specialization now uh-huh. um, i'm mid 50s you're a few years older than me uh-huh. We sort of come from a world of very generalized, uh-huh. uh, well, we were generalists. Uh-huh. Generalist or specialist, how would you view yourself? 
myself, uh, more mm. generalist, um, coming from a, a background where I was a, a writer uh, to then founding an agency where all of a sudden I have to be part of management and, and make those kinds of decisions and, you know, financial decisions and client decisions and all of that stuff. You, but at the same time, still write, I would still be writing. Um, so yeah, generalist, um, we hired specialists. We, we, we definitely work with specialists. So, you know, if we were, recording an audio track we would go to a recording studio and they had an engineer and that's all that person did that person was a professional engineer that's what we wanted we wanted the best engineer for the job that, that we could find um we hired you know illustrators and photographers uh, specifically for their skills for what they did so if we wanted a fashion photographer i want a specialist i want a fashion photographer not just anybody with a camera um so you it's sort of not mutually exclusive no. you can be a generalist while still being a specialist but it's almost impossible to be a specialist and be a generalist well we i was i was a i was a generalist in in and what i did and how i worked and i worked with specialists when when needed i also worked with other people who were also generalists you know so you know by default my partners who came from the design world. So I was the writer, they were the designer, but now they're also a, a company owner. So they're also a business person. So they're by, they started out maybe as a specialist, but became a generalist once you start to manage a company. And, and I think that's the nature of even, you know, freelancers. You, you can be a, a specialist. You can, for example, you can write, and you only write in a very narrow and well-defined niche. So you're you're a writer, and you write about these things, and you try to find clients who are interested in having you write about those things, and, and that's it. You don't go beyond that. But at the same time, you start you're trying to run your business, even if you're if it's a one-person business, unless you find somebody to run it for you. Now, some some people do that, right? You. You can say, well, I'm just going to do that, but I'm going to give somebody else the job of doing all my my estimating, my invoicing, my collections, my taxes, and all that. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to find somebody else. If if you can work that way, if, if you can, first of all, financially afford to work that way, and secondly, if you trust somebody enough with all of your affairs so that all you have to do is write, then, then fine. You know. I think Sting found that out to his horror at one particular point. I think he put someone in charge of all the business stuff so he could just concentrate on the music and uh, yeah. found out that they'd wandered off with six million pounds. Yeah, well, Leonard so. Leonard Cohen too, famously. Uh, I mean, yeah. Leonard Cohen went off to a, a, basically a, a monastery to become a monk practically, lived, lived on top of a hill in California, uh, found out his accountant had wandered off with all of his money. Uh, and that's why he had that sort of sec that rebirth, you know, for a long time. What, whatever happened to Leonard Cohen? Who knows? He's gone to be a monk. Next thing you know, he's touring the world. He had to make some money. Um, wow! So wow. He, he'd lost millions. Yeah. Ouch! Ouch! Poor Leonard Cohen. Yeah. Poor Sting at the same yeah. time. But yeah. Uh, yeah. So. Final question. You're from Canada. Mm. It's 
as far as I understand, a highly creative country. It's got a film industry and I, a yeah. burgeoning IT industry. Yeah. It's got advertising agencies. It's got agencies like yourselves. Yeah. Who do you think, dead or alive, is the most creative Canadian? We've 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 had a lot, um, and and I just have to look. To me, if you're just talking about pure creativity, then it's you're, you're back to artists and musicians. Uh, because you know they, in theory, don't don't answer to. I mean, they do answer to the market, but you know, me and, and my job and many other people in our jobs, we answer directly to a client demand. So you know, I I, I look to you know the, the older guys. If you think of somebody like a like a Neil Young, for example, who's who's had many careers. Uh, over over his lifetime, um, writers, uh, you know, Margaret Atwood, for example, uh, who lives not that many blocks away from me, um, still around, still doing great work. Just released another book. Um, pe- people like that of you know, test of time. Drake, love him or hate him, uh, from Toronto. Uh, just built a monstrous mansion, it's beyond belief. But anyways, uh, so you no know, one, no one accused them of being tasteful. So. <laughs> no, but 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 massively popular, right? You, you can't, you just you just can't there deny it. Uh, and and you know what what he has also done for other artists, right? So he puts on these festivals where where he has other artists come in, sort of all under the that umbrella, and and has launched has launched careers. For, for other artists. Um, Good man in that respect. Yeah, right. So yeah. those those are those are the kind of people, but there there are there are lots. Um, there are lots of uh, creative creative people in Canada. Um, the, the challenge Canada has is that we live next to the United States. And so we we are uh, physically a big country, but with a relatively small population. And if you really want to make it, you're, you're going to go, you're going to go south, right? You're going to go to the States. You're, you're going to, you know, a, a more recent artist say the weekend, right? I somewhere just read how popular I hadn't really kept up, but I, I remember he was a kid living in a suburb of Toronto and he released free, where were they? Just on a website, you could download three albums. He created three albums where he was nobody, and just go download them and listen to them. And and I I did at the time because I just read this. And I thought, oh, that's kind of cool. And slowly and slowly and surely, kind of blows up till he's huge, right? Someone living in Hollywood now, of course, somewhere somewhere in L.A. Um, Ryan Reynolds, another another Canadian who has somehow is managing an acting career and he started advertising agencies. I don't know why as, as a, as a world famous actor, you want to start ad agencies, but he seems to like it. So he's, he's done that. But again, he's mostly in the States, although he's, he's opening a film production company here, just North of Toronto, which, which is interesting. Um, so, 
isn't that one of the problems that the I mean New Zealanders get mistaken for Australians yes. um Canadians get mistaken for Americans I had no idea the weekend was Canadian I had no idea Ryan Reynolds was Canadian yeah. I know about Margaret Atwood yeah. and the number of the other people you mentioned yeah. but it's um yeah yeah uh, like all kinds of bands you know ba- bands you know older bands rush Russia. I saw them in London, geez, 25 years ago on the um, the 2112. Yeah. So, so, so they're all from Toronto. Um, An insanely talented trio. Yeah. I know Neil Pert has passed yeah. now. Uh, yeah. But yeah. yeah. And, and, and again, I mean, they, you know, I, 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 I remember Rush was a bar band. They were they were a Led Zeppelin cover band. That's where they started, and then they started writing their own songs. And they went down to a studio in Cleveland, some cheap and cheerful studio, and recorded. And then just kept at it, just kept at it, right? Uh, and then became a huge band, right? But still stayed stayed here in in Toronto, but became a global band. I mean, that seems to be one of the sort of the the ways of creativity manifesting itself. You know, if you look at the Beatles' first couple of albums, I don't think there's an original song on mm-hmm. them. Um, they sort of cut their teeth on um, other people's music, learning in their craft, so to mm-hmm. speak. And all of a sudden it sort of bubbles up and mm-hmm. I guess you can't keep the lid on it anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's like, hey, guys, what do you think of this? Mm-hmm. And it all comes together. Yeah. And it must it must be the same when your final thing. It must be the same when you're writing. Do you did you sort of start your writing career sort of almost em- trying to emulate somebody else? Um, you you would you would see things and 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 you would try to learn from. I I, I didn't emulate a specific person. But, you know, in, in the advertising world, there are always these annuals where they always had, you know, the best of kind of these, these books, right? And you'd look at them and I would study them and I would, I would read other people's ads and I, I'd try to deconstruct them and figure out how, you know, I, I was trying to imagine what was the brief for this and then how did they go from the brief to, to, to this? And then you'd read interviews with people too. I mean, there are these magazines and, and then later websites had interviews with some creative people and, and they would talk the way we're talking now. And, and you'd try to pick up bits and pieces from that. But there wasn't a person that I necessarily emulated. Cool. Thank you. Andy Strode, it's been fascinating talking to you. Thank you very much. uh, Thank you for being on the podcast. Thanks. It was my pleasure. Enjoyed it. It was a great talk. Well, that's it for this week. I'll be back next week. Don't forget to have a look at the website. You'll find some stuff to help you develop your creative abilities. I'm Joel. Who are you? Where do you come from? And what do you do?